church. <laughs> you guys are excited and awake today. I love it. Ah, I am Jamie. I'm thrilled for today. It's our baptism Sunday. Uh, and uh, if you don't know, like if you've been coming to Renew for a long time, we usually go down to the river and do baptisms there. But not many of you knew that there is actually a pool back there that we're going to use for the first time. Uh, so I'm excited. We'll see how it goes. We've never used this before, but I think it's going to be an amazing Sunday. Before we get into the sermon, uh, Jacob mentioned it, but we had the privilege of being a part of a group called We Care Eau Claire. And this group of churches, of businesses, uh, just people in the community have come together and we've packed this last week 880 backpacks. That is amazing. Uh, and, and I don't know about you, but it sounds like that may be an easy endeavor. Uh, but when you get thousands and thousands and thousands of school supplies that you have to sort through, uh, it gets to be quite interesting. I'm so thankful for those that came out and helped, those that donated, those in the community that helped. Uh, a big shout out to Katie and Chris Hugo, who, man, this could not have happened if it wasn't for their work and sacrifice this week of being here a lot, looking at a lot of school supplies all week long. Um, But it's part of our vision. And and as we lean into, especially this year, like we're looking for ways to get involved and serve the community because that is our vision. That's what we're chasing after. We're in this sermon series uh, dealing with the Gospels. What is the gospel? We asked this question last week. What is the gospel? There's a good chance that if we asked different people in this room, everybody would give a slightly different answer. And and today I just want to kind of tell a story, and we're going to hear a couple of stories from people who are getting baptized. But Scott McKnight, I said this last week, he says, the gospel is the gospel's. Right, So the gospel can't be whittled down to like one little statement, or it can't be whittled down to like John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And if you believe in him, like it can't be whittled down to that. That's a part of it. But what I want to do today is talk about another story in the gospels, because when we talk about the gospels as the gospel, we start to get a full and complete picture. Next week, we'll talk about uh, gospels that are missing pieces. And we'll talk about gospels that we see in our culture, gospels that we see in the church that are partial gospels. I won't say they're false gospels, but I'll say they're partial gospels that are leaving a whole lot out. So turn with me to John chapter 9. John chapter 9, we see Jesus have this encounter uh, with this man who's blind. And in John chapter 9, we're just going to read a lot of scripture this morning and just kind of walk through this story. So heads up, be prepared, look it up on your phone or or your Bible you brought with you. John chapter 9 says, as he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, 
Who sinned? Who sinned? Uh, Was it this man or his parents? For he was born blind. Now, that's a really interesting question. And I think one that we wrestle with today in, in many different ways. Was it something that I did that caused this thing to happen to me? And there were different rabbis in the time of Jesus that built up this theology that, oh, you're blind or you have, you're of leprosy or something, something is wrong with you physically because your parents sinned or you must have sinned at some point in your life and this is your punishment. This was the, some of the theologies that were going on in Jesus' day. So they see a man that's blind. The disciples go, hey, we've heard this theology. Jesus, is this why this guy is blind? Like, did his parents mess up at some point? Did he mess up at some point? Maybe, like, in the womb or something? He, he like, muttered a, a curse word or something? Or, like, at some point, did he mess up in his life that now he's reaping the consequence of that and he is blind? And Jesus goes, No. Like, like, this man nor his parents have sinned. And then he says something really interesting. This happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Really important here in the Greek language. This isn't, I caused this man to be blind so that I can then come and save him at some point. Right? This is, this man is blind. I have come to right the wrongs and evil in this world. And you will see my power displayed through what I'm about to do. So Jesus goes on, as long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Do the works of my Father. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Reaffirming what was said in 1 John. That Jesus comes down, fully God, moves into the neighborhood, and he is the light of the world, and darkness cannot overcome it. He is the light of the world. After this, Jesus spit on the ground, made some mud with his saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Just picture this. Like, this guy is sitting there. There's no recorded conversation between Jesus and this guy, right? It's between his disciples and Jesus. I don't know if the guy can hear him, but Jesus then walks over, spits in the ground, makes some mud, slaps it on the guy's eyes and says, go. That's kind of weird, ain't it? Like, if you were that guy, what would you be thinking? Like, this has never happened to me before. Usually people try to walk away from me, not just slap mud in my eye. And, And I love this story because Jesus says, go. Go wash in the pool of Siloam which means scent, or water is gushing. So the man went. Now just pause in the story, right? This guy just had mud put on his eyes. Jesus says, go. 
go walk over to this pool and wash yourself in the pool. He, he doesn't, I, I don't think he tells him what's going to happen, does he? He just says, go wash yourself in the pool. Here is a faith moment that this guy is walking into. Some stranger that he don't know slaps mud on his eyes and says, go wash yourself in the pool. There's a couple options that this guy has, right? Like he can take a step and be like, what am I doing? Like some weird dude just rubbed mud on my face. Why am I going to go wash myself in the pool? Like he very easily could have said, no thanks. I'm going to go home and just wash this off my eyes. Like there is a faith moment that this guy is stepping into faith. Stepping into the act of growing his faith. And we talked about back in our series on faith where uh, faith means that you have faith, but it doesn't actually become faith until you put your weight on it. So we had a chair up here, and we talked about a chair, and we said, uh, you can believe this chair will hold you up. You can, you can know that like this chair was designed to hold you up. You can believe that, that this thing looks sturdy enough. It looks good enough to hold me up. But it doesn't actually, you don't have faith in the chair until you sit down in it and put your weight in it. This man got mud slapped on his face. And was told to go. Complete act of faith on his part. He didn't really know who Jesus is. But he felt something. He felt like this was a voice that he could lean on. That he could depend on. That he could trust in. And so he goes. He goes home, goes to the pool, takes a dip in the pool, and came home seeing. What an incredible moment. And then the guy just starts to get like questioned and scrutinized, which is something that happens, right? Like Jesus does a miracle. Jesus may do something in your life. You may actually take that step of faith. Put your weight in it. And a miracle may happen. You may be waiting for the miracle, but everybody around you is going, hey, what's going on? Why are you doing this? Why did you make that move? Why did you make that decision? Why, what's going on? And you start to get scrutinized by your parents, by your family, by your friends, maybe by your kids. So this guy's neighbors start asking questions. They say, uh, he's formerly been seen begging, asking for money. Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others say, no, he only looks like him. And so the rumors going around the neighborhood, hey, did you hear about so-and-so? Like, isn't that the guy who used to sit and beg and was blind? Nah, I don't think it was. It was just somebody who looked like it. Like it was a lookalike doppelganger. It's not really him. It can't be him. How can, his, how can he see? He was blind his whole life. 
His parents really messed up. So he was blind his whole life. It can't possibly be him. But he said to himself, no, I'm, I'm the guy. That's me. I was blind. I was out begging. Then some guy came and rubbed mud on my face. I went to the pool and now I can see. Would you believe me? And they ask, where's this man? And, and he replies, I don't know. Like in some ways, it's the most comical story. And it's just based in real life. And then the religious rulers, the leaders get involved. They're called the Pharisees. They're the religious leaders in the temples and they, they kind of own the religious system. And they got involved because now they're asking questions. They're hearing this stir going on. Did you hear about the guy who was begging? Jesus came, rubbed mud on his face. He went in the pool and now he can see? And the Pharisees are coming over going, we got to check this out. We got to see if this is real. We got to punch holes in the story. We got to make sure that this is actually legit because we can't really depend on the guy's testimony. Here's a side note. Your testimony is your story. Your testimony is your story with Jesus. And how you came to know and believe and follow Jesus. And it doesn't matter if someone says, I don't believe you. It is your story that you get to own, that you get to tell the world. Because it's the good news. It's the gospel. And so he gets in this little argument with the Pharisees. They've got this thing against Jesus. They're saying he can't heal on the Sabbath. That's not okay. And it wasn't okay according to their rules. But Jesus, I I think he healed on the Sabbath eight or nine times. Which he said, your rule is missing the point. This is the real point. And so they're arguing over Jesus. Can he really, he's not really the Messiah if he doesn't obey our laws, if he heals on the Sabbath. And then he brings the guy's parents over and they go, well, parents, is it true that he was blind? And his parents are like, I want no part of this. He's of age. He can can answer himself. He's a grown man. Believe what he says. But they're still asking questions. They're still wondering if this could be true, if Jesus could be who he says he is. So keep asking him, keep asking him. I, I got to imagine this guy was just like so, he was so patient in the time. I would have been like, see ya, I'm out. But he kept answering their questions, kept having the same discussion. And then he said this, A second time, they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth. So they try to bring God in to guilt him to tell the actual truth. And he says, uh, they say, we know this man is a sinner. He replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know is I was blind and now I see. love it because it's the purest testimony this guy's sitting here he he doesn't even really understand all about Jesus he doesn't have all the theology correct 
He knows his experience with Jesus. And then he's sitting there going, hey, all I know, you can argue all you want about who this guy is. You can say what you want. You can argue. You can do all these things. You can come up with all these theories. But all I know is I was blind and now I see because of that man. So many of us are all worried. Are we going to say the right thing? I don't know how many times I've had people like, well, I can't tell anybody about Jesus. I'm not sure what to say. What if somebody has some questions? What if they have some doubts? What if this person that's like really scientific comes and starts hitting me with all these arguments and I'm not a scientific person, so I don't really know what to say to them? It doesn't matter. If you are blind and now you see, that's all you have to say. That's the story you have to tell. I was this way, and then I met Jesus, and now this happened in my life. That is the gospel. That's all you need to preach. I feel like I'm yelling a lot today. But it's okay. And he says, I was blind, but now I see And then the religious leaders end up going, no, 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 this can't be true. I'm kicking you out of the temple. This guy just wants Jesus. He just wants God. And he gets kicked out of the temple. And then this is the best part of the story, in my opinion. He gets kicked out. Jesus hears that he gets kicked out of the temple. What does Jesus do? He goes... And finds the man. He goes and finds the man. This is the part that I love of Jesus. Every one of his kids are important. Every one of his sons and daughters are important. It's, he has the 99 in the pen and he goes out to find the one. Because the one is important to Jesus. He goes, 99, you're in the pen. You can take care of yourselves for a little bit. I'm going to go try to get the one and bring him back. So Jesus follows, chases this guy, follows this guy out as he's kicked out, ostracized from the temple. And he has a conversation. He says, do you believe in the Son of Man? Because this guy still didn't know who Jesus was. Do you believe in the Son of Man? The man answered, who is he? Who? Who is this man? Tell me so that I can believe in him. I want to believe in him. I see what he's done in my life. I want that. I've been transformed. I want to know who is responsible for the transformation For making me whole again. Jesus said, you've now seen him. In fact, he's the one speaking to you. And then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped Jesus. See, if you're struggling... If you're lost, if you're blind, 
Jesus is looking for you. And maybe you're somebody who's completely lost. You don't know what's going on in life. You don't even know why you're here. And you just know that you need to be here. But you don't know who this Jesus is, but you feel lost in life. Or maybe you knew Jesus at one time, and because of the way church people have acted, you've become lost again. Or, or you're on a whole nother level of figuring out the direction that you need to go. I want you to hear as clear as day, Jesus is coming after you. Jesus loves you. Jesus cares for you. Maybe you're in the place where Jesus put mud on your eyes. And you're walking around with mud on your face. And you're doing everything but what Jesus told you to do. You're doing everything in life but taking that step of faith and putting your weight in it. And you're wondering why it's not working out. Not, not that Jesus is all rainbows and sunshine all the time. Not that following Jesus is necessarily easy all the time. But it is easy. And it is the answer. And it is the foundation I was blind, and now I see. What's your I was blind story, and now you see? In Romans, I'll quickly go through some of this. But today we celebrate baptism. And this is the result of the gospel. It's the result of I was blind and now I see. And now I'm going to follow Jesus. Jesus is my Lord and Savior. He is my King. He is the source. And in Romans chapter 6, It talks about baptism. It says, what shall we say then? Shall we keep on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. It says, we are those that have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that that we were baptized into Jesus? We were also baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death. So that in order, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, too, we may too may live a new life. Baptism is the celebration of joining in the death and resurrection of Jesus and then being sent on a new mission with him. Or as Paul puts it in Ephesians, you were dead, you believed in Jesus, and now baptism is the symbolic act that you are now alive. Amen? Amen. I could go on, but I have to stop. Uh, Jenna and Michael, come on up. 
Jake, do you have the... Yeah. All right. Um, so I asked these two. Uh, these two are getting baptized today. Jenna and Michael. Um, so we have a couple more that we're going to because of illness and stuff. They, they couldn't today. So we may do this again in a little bit, which is awesome. Let's keep doing this. Um, but... Uh, I asked them to share a little bit about their story. So Jenna will go first. I told her one to two minutes, okay? So anybody want to keep the the clock time, go ahead. Thanks, Jamie. (laughs) Um, So going into college, I was in a really, like, toxic and harmful relationship. And it was my only connection starting off college. And I, I really just could feel myself slowly, like, getting further and further away from God. And I just felt like I had like no other option. Um, but through like this persistent effort of women on my floor in a Bible study, they kept inviting me, inviting me, inviting me to be part of their community. And um, eventually I was able to say, like finally say yes to that. Um, and when I did, I found myself surrounded by a community that empowered me um, and like showed me that I was still wanted um, by the church, by these people and by God. And so eventually I was able to, to walk away from that relationship that, that was leaving me feeling like I was worthless, like I was compromising who I was and what I wanted with my life. Um, and I remember just even in walking away, there was this huge weight lifted, but I still felt this overwhelming sense of shame and brokenness and like I would never be able to like dig out of this hole that I felt like I had dug for myself. I felt like I had moved myself so far away from God that I couldn't come back because I already like did the damage. It was already done. Um, and I remember constantly praying that year for peace. I was praying for peace constantly. And this, that was the first time that I've ever consistently prayed for something that was so impactful in my life. Um, and I remember like two weeks into me praying, I was like, isn't this supposed to work? <laughs> like, where's this peace that's supposed to come to me? And um, sitting on my futon one day in my dorm by myself, there was um, a trigger that kind of came up that normally would have made me feel like there was this rock in my stomach. And I felt this overwhelming sense of God's love and peace just wash over me. And in that moment, I was like, this is real. This power of prayer is real. And God cares about me. He still wants me. He still loves me. And um, this, this happened eight years ago. And I still think back on that moment of just overwhelming peace that God gave to me. And he still showed that to me despite the fact that I hadn't been faithful, despite the fact that I had walked away. Um, but the really cool thing is that um, like even in the song we heard today, like he's no less God in the shadows, no less faithful when the night leads me astray. It's not about my faithfulness. It's about God's faithfulness and he still wanted me um, despite all of those things. Michael asked me to share for him, um, which is totally cool. So Michael and Nicole started coming to Renew a month ago, month and a half, two months ago, something like that. Um, So I've had the privilege of getting to know these guys a little bit. Um, and Michael didn't grow up in the church. He, he didn't grow up knowing God, knowing Jesus. Um, and he was telling me a story a little bit. I, I was like, well, why, why church? Why'd you come to Renew? Why? There, there's a connection there, a friend connection. Um, but, like, why Renew? And he, he said, I don't, he said uh, Nicole's grandfather uh, passed away. And, and through the life of her grandfather, he saw Jesus, right? And there, there's a trail of um, hard things and, and 
our lives and through those hard things and through the testimony of her grandfather, like Michael experienced Jesus. So he said, I don't know, and Nicole and Michael are following Jesus and, and figuring it out. And he said, I just I had to be to church, be a church. And then the next logical step is to get baptized, right? Take a dip in the pool. So I, I, I'm excited uh, for Michael and Nicole. I'm excited for Jenna. These are, like we talk about the Gospels are the Gospel. These stories, your story, my story, their story, is the Gospel working itself out in real time. Amen? This is what it's about. We were blind. And now we see. We were dead, and now we're alive. And we are being transformed. So worship team, come on up. We're going to sing a worship song. We're going to do the baptisms. And you guys can cheer. You guys can sing. You guys can do whatever you want. It's all good. Anything goes. You want to run up and down the aisle? No, don't do that. Uh, But we are going to take some time to celebrate, all right? Because this is a moment for celebration. Let me pray. Jesus. We come before you in awe of how you move and work, how you draw us near to you, how you make us go from being blind to seeing, how you transform our lives. And Jesus, we pray for Jenna and Michael that your Holy Spirit would touch them even now. As the mud is on their eyes and they're going to the pool and they are going to come up different. We praise you. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.